Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. Everybody, winter sports are wrapping up this weekend, including BYU baseball. To talk about the Cougs, his opinion on the current Major League Baseball landscape, and what his favorite tailgate food is, I'm bringing on former Cougar and Major League All-Star Wally Joyner. But first, since COVID changed our fan experience for an entire year, we'll discuss if it influenced our sports viewing preferences and talk about what our favorite moment as a fan was during the 2020-2021 sports season. And I can't think of a better guy to do this with me than the one who provided joyous content to many an isolated BYU fan this past year, Spencer Linton. <laughs> no, it's great to be with you. This is always a pleasure to hang out. Well, we're going to be talking about the fan experience today. So so what do you do as a play-by-play to give fans the best experience? This is the million-dollar question for sports broadcasters, even when fans are in the stands. But I understand why we're going here, because you have to package the material in a way that makes everyone at home, knowing they can't go to the ballpark, even that much more excited about going to the game or stadium right. or arena, whatever. And it applies to the daily shows that I work on, too. It's my job to essentially be a salesman, package up the material and say, hey, this is what I've got. I think you need it. In fact, I know you need it. <laughs> and that's how we kind of we tease the audience that way. We excite them. We get them ready for something that they're not going to get anywhere else. And so when it comes to a live game scenario, I typically try and uh, deliver one with energy. I mean, if you're selling something and you have low energy, you're not going to be very successful. Right. Hey, this Here, is buy, a, buy this car. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a really it's cool, really real cool car. Um, <laughs> it's yellow. It's, uh, you know, like you're not going to sell anything. So you need energy, you need knowledge and background information, and then you have to take the most dramatic scenarios within the game that you're calling and present them in a way that makes people feel like, I probably need to watch this. And in fact, I had my little brother Tanner, who is not a big sports guy. He's (laughs) like, I was was watching, I think it was a softball baseball game, but he's like, I I just watched the opening tease. And he's like, I had zero interest. But then after I watched that 20 seconds, I was like... (laughs) I'm kind of interested in what's going to happen in this game. <laughs> so That's awesome. you bring in context, like where these teams fit against each other in the same conference, or uh, if there's a nationally ranked team or what this could potentially spoil for one team. You just have to make things dramatic. This is what TV producers do as well, even in their fictitious shows. Like, oh, right. I can't stop watching this even though it has no real bearing on my life i have to know what's going to happen to this character so really it just takes some some you know deep thinking and a little bit of creativity some knowledge some background some energy the right voice and you can hook some viewers in and uh, a lot of that goes into it covid kind of helped us in that way just because people were so anxious and clamoring for sports that they were like I don't even care if the play-by-play guys think I just need sports in my life. So I am grateful for that, too. I have to know why the softball player whose mother graduated from, <laughs> I just know all these yes. obscure, obscure facts about the players, but it really does help. It yes. helps you become interested yes. in what you're watching. Let me give you an example. A okay. young lady named Violet Zavodnik. She's the West Coast Conference freshman and player of the year. First time well, that's a, great name, first a player has ever done that, right? Violet Zavodnik. She's Polynesian <laughs> and Czechoslovakian. Not a joke. Oh, what? Okay, so what? that alone. Okay, little, the little only tidbit one in there, history. Right? Okay. Violet 
played high school baseball. Baseball. Oh, wow. Against high-level boys in Southern California and batted 316 against high school boys in baseball. Okay, no wonder she's the conference player of the year in softball and freshman of the year, and she's, you know, incredible. But that backstory alone, I was like, hey, I've got this little element about Violet that I think people are going to be really excited about, and we're going to hammer this home and tease it and deep sell it, and it makes people interested. Stuff like that, right? Absolutely. That needs to be like an ESPN 30 for 30 or something. I think that that's fascinating for her background alone. Yeah. I really think she, you said Czechoslovakian and Polynesian. Polynesian. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's mm-hmm. incredible. No, you are, you, you're so good at that. Did, did it change at all during COVID because you knew there was going to be a little bit more pressure on you, more people watching, more people craving sports. Did it change at all? I don't know that I felt more pressure, but I definitely understood how much more sports mattered to people when it was essentially shut down and taken away from us for a while. People needed a distraction, which is why we kept going with our daily BYU Sports Nation, even through the pandemic. I mean, there was, aside from about a 10-day period where one of our staffers got it and we couldn't come into the studio, that we couldn't be together and we worked Uh around it. And even when we couldn't be together, we were still doing the show me at my house, Jeremy at his house, our producer Ben at his house, uh, and working in collaboration with people behind the scenes to edit this thing mobily and still put it on the air and send it back to Master Control in the building at BYU Broadcasting to put this on as if live. Just a crazy effort because we knew that people needed the distraction, and that was kind of the feedback we got was, hey, there are no live games, but we're so grateful that there's something to watch and to do and something new and fresh and daily live content to kind of give us an update on what's happening with the BYU teams. If there's going to be a season, if there is a season, who is BYU going to play? Will fans be in attendance if it comes to this? What's the COVID parameter for the fan at BYU specifically? And uh, we kind of felt like like it was our obligation, like a responsibility to help people kind of stay connected in all of this. So not so much a pressure, but just like a raised obligation of, I need to do this so that people have some type of escape. Well, absolutely. People are grateful to have a job, but you, your job definitely brought joy to people. And how cool is that? Because sports, people are just craving sports during this time, craving something. And since you've been engrossed in almost every sport on BYU campus, by either calling their games or covering them on BYU Sports Nation, when you look back at the fall and winter sports, what do you think was your favorite moment as a fan, as a fan during that time? What oh, was your man. favorite moment? Well, one in particular stands out. Late September, uh, BYU had beaten Navy in football to open up the season in Annapolis on the road. And they were supposed to play at Army, but a COVID situation within the BYU players and staffers shut down that game. And so then the next game was 19 days later, a home game, I believe, against Louisiana Tech. And there were no fans allowed except for essentially me. And so I am standing in Lavelle Edwards Stadium during countdown to kickoff the pregame show and looking around in the stands. And I am the only person in this cavernous 65, okay, 63,000 seat stadium with the teams on the sidelines and staffers and athletic trainers and coaches but nobody in the stands. 
And I heard one BYU coach turn around and yell at me and say, hey, cheer loud, bro. Yay! The voice. That was a pretty surreal experience. And BYU, to their credit, had uh, allowed people to purchase a a scenario where they could have their – you know, the picture put up in one of the chairs and right. they could kind of have those that. things. But they uh, surprised me and, and um, included my dad, my late dad, Kent. And um, uh, so just seeing his picture in the stands with that big smile on his face uh, in the legacy seats, to me, was probably my favorite fan moment. It's tied into a broadcast, but I felt like a right. fan there for a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And that's something I, I wouldn't expect to hear, but what an incredible moment for, for you and your family to be able to see your dad, who was a huge BYU fan, an absolutely huge BYU fan. And what a great man. That's awesome. So there's the overlap in the fall when football and basketball are playing at the same time. There's the, the PGA Championship that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Baseball, softball season, World Cup timer is at the Olympics. So what, what's your favorite time of the year as a sports fan? This is tough. But I probably have to settle on early September. I just think okay. it's, there's something magical about early September when the baseball postseason is winding down. You've got teams jockeying for position in the Major League Baseball playoffs, and college football is starting up. And because I do what I do, that's the start of some of the high-level Olympic sports at BYU. Soccer, women's volleyball, and those teams compete year to year at a very high nationally ranked level. So I just, I don't know, there's something special about that. The fall, putting on a sweatshirt when it gets a little bit cooler at night, even going to a high school football game on a Friday night and just kind of soaking in the ambiance uh, and then getting ready for college football Saturday. And now with uh, a ton of, you know, people that I have covered in college now advancing their careers into the National Football League, it it just continues all weekend. So I'm invested in all that. I love the fall and the changing colors and sneaking out to play a little golf as well, which I know you can appreciate too, Lauren. <laughs> Listen, people, she can swing it. All right. Uh, Here's the thing about golf. I can I can swing it. You're right. And if I, if I can make some contact, it's going to go far. But it'll hit someone's window and shatter it. That's that's the problem with me in golf. No, oh, hey. but it is a fun sport. Ab- absolutely. Fun. So so for me, and I, I like that you said the fall because you have this lull during the summer where you're like, come mm-hmm. on, come on, come on, I need some sports. And not that there's no sports going on in the summer, but the ones you want come up in the fall most likely. But I, there's something about the Olympics to mm-hmm. me. I uh, that are coming up this summer, hopefully, uh, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. But uh, for the Winter Olympics in 2010, I drove to Vancouver and I was watching hockey. I was watching, I don't know what else, but uh, things that I'm not even a fan of. But you become this huge fan when you are there with people from all around the world. And, you know, the best athletes in the entire world are there and you're watching them. So so I love the Olympics. I, yes. I do love that time. When when I was kind of thinking about what's my fa- absolute favorite where I really want to watch if, if I I think, of course, it's football, but when I was thinking about the Olympics, I think that's definitely up there for me. Absolutely, and it's kind of in this uh, nicely packaged three-week little window, and you just get it, and you find out a bunch about a bunch of athletes and their stories and how they've persevered, and in many cases, just overcome 
crazy insurmountable odds to even be involved in the Olympics. And so the human interest nature of the Olympics puts it on another level. So I, I am I am with you there. And that's so cool that uh, you got to go to Vancouver and see that. And, who, and you know, curling. It's like, yeah, I'm going to stay up till 2 a.m. watching curling. <laughs> Team USA competing <laughs> I, I with Belgium for that critical bronze medal. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I and why do it. we care so deeply? But we do. We really do. Well, there's we a national sense of pride that's involved for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Again, since COVID changed our fan experience for you, now would you rather watch a game in the venue with all the noise, all the excitement, or would you rather watch it in the comfort of your own home on your favorite chair, which is what most of us were doing during the past year? Isn't it interesting how this has become a question? Because yes. uh, without hesitation before all of this went down i i would have said oh be in the venue feel the energy be around the fans (laughs) enjoy the smells of the concessions the popcorn and this you know the uh the peanuts and uh, the hot dogs and all that and the nachos the good stuff yes i want all of it um but there has been an occasion or two over the last year where i've thought you know it's okay being around your family a little bit more and <laughs> right. not having to corral the or herd cats that are children <laughs> going from place <laughs> to place and just relax at home and enjoy replay. I think the thing I miss out most on when I am in in the stadium or arena or at the field is just the lack of replay sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always am like, yep. find a True. TV, even even when I'm at the game, I'm like, is there a TV around so I can watch replays of the game I'm watching live on the field? <laughs> Like I need that. Okay, I'm gonna go to the Where's press the box. TV? Yes, I need a TV so that I can see the replay of that. So, you know, I'll be at the game, but I'll be staying around the BYU broadcasting folks because I know that they have a TV that's got the feed <laughs> of the game on it, and I want to see seven different angles of what I just watched with my own eyes on the field <laughs> down below. So, You're about a foot from the players. Yes. Like, hey, does anyone have a TV? Yeah, I'm, I can see that. On. I'm gonna need. No, that. It, it it is true. It, it actually. Because I was on the sideline for a while, and and you are as well. It's actually not as good of a view as people would think. You actually miss out on quite a lot. But uh, one of the great things about watching from home, too, is like you mentioned before, Spence, if it's a good play-by-play guy, you're going to get a lot of interesting facts about these players, about the game, and and you don't really get that when you're in the stadium. But I did a Twitter poll, and about 75% said they'd rather go to the venue in person Mm -hmm. with all the noise and excitement. And Preston Darger, I think you know him, used to work for athletics. He's the younger brother of associate athletic director Liz. Mm -hmm. He responded to the poll with an amazing point. He said, maybe the pandemic was in the long run really good for the live event industry, which had seen attendance and ticket sales struggle in the past years as people valued convenience at home viewing. And he said, now after a long and isolated year, people are longing for a live experience. Yes. So it actually might help ticket sales. What do you think? Absolutely. When we're transitioning, we're already seeing this within Major League Baseball. Uh, and it's limited capacities, but people are like, I got to get to the park. I got to do this. Right. I want to, I need, I need something. I need an experience to get out and feel normal again. And sometimes you have a magical experience like, BYU men's basketball beating number two Gonzaga right before the COVID shutdown happened. And you right. you cannot recreate something like that. Just it, the roof was ready to blow off of the Marriott Center. It was <laughs> crazy. And uh, so sometimes it, it trumps, the experience trumps the ability to sit in your chair and watch replay and, and whatnot. But other times it's it's okay to want those things too. So I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, mostly leaning towards still being in person and experiencing the energy of the crowd and seeing how the players feed off of that. But 
I, you know, I'm I'm definitely more open to let's just stay at home for this one and and watch replay and eat our own well, food and not have to go anywhere. You are getting old too. I know we'll, we'll it's true. It. You are getting a little bit older. The older I know. You get, you're like I don't want all the noise. You turn into one of those fans. That, yes. At the BYU games, they're like, sit down. Hey, those I didn't old pay that... sixty-seven dollars for you to stand up in front of my face the whole game. <laughs> exactly. Coming up, the man who was so good at baseball, Angels fans dubbed Anaheim Stadium Wally World. Wally Joyner up next. BYU baseball's last games of the regular season are this weekend, so I wanted to bring on one of the best to ever come through the BYU program. He played with the Cougars from 81 to 83, then had an amazing 16-year career in the MLB playing for four different teams, most notably with the Angels where he began and ended his career. He was an all-star his rookie year when, because of him, Anaheim Stadium was dubbed Wally World. Let's welcome on the lefty first baseman from Georgia, Wally Joyner. Thanks for coming on with me, Wally. Lauren, thank you very much. Um, so that was just the tip of the iceberg of an amazing career. You had a great run with the San Diego Padres, winning the pennant in 98. When you think back on your career, what memory sticks out the most to you? Well, I would have to say, you know, obviously your uh, your first are always hard to forget. You know, um, I can remember my first game like it was yesterday up in uh, old Seattle Kingdom ballpark that's not there anymore. That shows my age. Um <laughs> The California Angels, uh, no longer around. That shows my age. But, um, you know, uh, my first at bat, my first home run, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the first rookie ever to start in an all-star game. So I'd have to say my first year has a lot of great memories. That's awesome. And, and your name is top 10 on at least half of the record list at BYU. What do you remember most about your time playing for the Cougars? Oh, I had a great time. Uh, three years, three great years playing for BYU. Uh, Gary Pullins was um, a great coach to play for. Um, you know, I love the area. Uh, and in fact, uh, my wife and family and I, we've lived in uh, Mapleton the last 20 years. So, you know, it's it's hard for BYU to get rid of me. <laughs> and, and what are you up to now for those those fans of yours that are listening right now what are you up to well I have a, a busy life um, mainly with uh, my wife and her horses uh, we have four daughters and six grandkids now that all live close by so um, our place in Mapleton is is very busy with grandkids and horses and um, I'm passionate and I love golf and so I uh I enjoyed a uh the opportunity of playing golf I'm I'm actually traveling and uh doing that this weekend so um it it keeps me busy <laughs> what hey that's what life's about if you ask me everything you just mentioned right now that's that's absolutely incredible and uh but I'm, I'm sure it's hard being away from the game of baseball um it's been almost exactly 20 years since you retired what do you miss most about playing baseball? Uh, I miss being 25 or 26 years old where <laughs> I didn't have any aches and pains. And I was, I was lucky enough to put the uniform on every day and go out and play and enjoy the game, enjoy the competition, uh, the challenge, um, the camaraderie. Uh, you know, our locker rooms were always lively and 
a lot of laughter and uh, you know a lot of seriousness when the game begins and out on the out in the dugout. But you know, I, I think that you know my memories are about the uh, relationships, my friendships that I I made, um, some of the great achievements that uh, took place while I was out on the field. I saw Reggie Jackson's 500th home run, wow. Don Sutton's 300th win, uh, Dave Winfield, his 3,000th hit, Tony Gwynn's 3,000th hit. So <laughs> I was one of the lucky ones that had a great seat to all of those great achievements. Baseball seems like it's the never-changing game in an ever-changing world, but when you look at the MLB now, how has it changed from when you played? Well, Lauren, it looks like there's a lot more no hitters going on in the big leagues right now. I, I can't mm-hmm. believe it. Um, you know, um, it is a tough thing to do um, to, to uh, throw a no hitter against the quality of, of talent that's in the big leagues. But uh, I think uh, Wednesday they set an all time record for the most no hitters before uh, the end of May. Um, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things. There's some great things that are going on. The ballparks are beautiful. Um, I think the conditions of the the playing fields are incredibly great. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see, you're going to see some great baseball games. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not a, uh, I I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not a believer in the analytics uh, Uh is the most important (laughs) thing in baseball. And um, I think it's uh, I think it's showing itself now. Um, I think there's a lot more to uh, hitting than launch angle. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that players aren't developing uh, to be a complete player. And I think it's showing with the dramatic shifts that are put in play for every player. Um, you know, I'd love to see the shift that they would have put on Tony Gwynn. He, he might've hit 450 if they did that. So um I just think that it's become one dimensional. Um, I'm, I'm not one to say that these, these players that are playing right now, they're not more athletic than, than we are. And than we were, I think their their conditioning, their physical fitness is great, but I think that they're just lacking the uh, complete uh, package that um, needs to be put back in place for all of these players. And when you talk about the no hitters, do you feel like that's because the pitchers are just that much better now, or is it because there is something lacking in, in the batters and what they're being taught? Yeah, I think maybe a combination of both. Um, but, you know, you've, I think this was the sixth that took place Wednesday. Um, and I, I just think that um, it, it shouldn't be that frequent. And maybe it won't. Maybe you won't have another no hitter the rest of the year, and and it'll it'll um, it'll go away. But um, yeah, I think that the players are they're caught up in statistics, analytics, and you know when I was coaching in the game, uh, you know I heard a number of times that you know strikeouts aren't a big deal, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen if you put the ball in play. And so I just don't buy into um, analytics should be the number one thing that everybody, everybody looks like, looks at. Um, I think it showed itself last year in the world series when Blake Snell was dealing and throwing a 
a gem of a game and he was taken out prematurely, mm. uh, which was premeditated. I think that that decision was made before the game even started, which is of uh, an incredibly short-sighted mentality. Right. I'd be curious to see if you, if you kind of take a poll of the former players, how many of them think similarly as you, which it's probably a lot, wouldn't you think? I would think so. And in fact, I think there's more teams that are getting off of the priority of analytics now. I, I think it's helpful. I think information is always helpful. But, um, you know, when somebody, when you sit down with someone and they say, athleticism, instinct, and talent uh, doesn't mean anything. Um, I, 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 I tend to think the conversation's over. Right. Yeah, that, that kind of doesn't sit right. Uh, you talked about uh, watching the World Series last year. Now, now you just get to kind of sit back and be a fan and watch the game. A big part of the show is about the fan experience. Would you rather go watch a game at the stadium or from your favorite chair in the comfort of your own home these days? Oh, no. The stadium – um, 10 out of 10 times, uh, the atmosphere, the, the sound, you know, I, uh, unfortunately we haven't been able to hear the sounds because of, uh, this pandemic and what's been going on over the last right. 18 months. But I hope that the country and the world and baseball is opened up full speed ahead and we can get back to, uh, uh, the, the crack of the bat and the roar and the hot dogs and all of that combined. Oh man, all that sounds good. I, I, I think it's headed that direction and I, I feel like we all need it. And I, and Wally, I don't know if you're a tailgater or not, but I feel like everyone has a favorite food they like to eat when a big game is on. What's your go-to meal if you have friends or family coming over to watch a game? Uh, burgers and hot dogs are always uh, a hit. <laughs> um, uh, I love popcorn. I love um, peanuts. So, uh, you know, maybe that song was made for me, I guess. Right. <laughs> I was going to say those sound like all the traditional baseball foods that you get in the stadium. <laughs> I love it. My last uh, question for you, Wally, is, is what advice would you give to these college players, maybe at BYU, whose hopes and dreams are to make it into the major leagues? What advice would you have for them? Well, I, I hope that everybody understands that nobody is right with all of their decision making and um if you believe that you can continue to play if you believe that and you love and you're passionate about the game then that'll take you to uh, another opportunity and so um you know work on your weaknesses be passionate about your uh your the game of baseball um don't give them any excuses to use against you but you know, more than anything, go out and have fun, right? Enjoy being out there. Have a have a smile on your face. Uh, you're one of the lucky ones that get to play baseball at the college level, and maybe you're going to be one of the lucky ones that can continue and put the uniform on on uh, as a professional and see what happens. I love that, Wally Jorner, former Cougar and former major major league All Star. Wally, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on with me. Lauren, it's my pleasure. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. Thank you, Wally. And that does it for us today. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and Reviewing Radio. This is the Tailgate.